Welcome to Canada's most irreverent talk show. This is The Andrew Lawton Show, brought to you by True North. Coming up, why 2020 is the year of the hypocrite, and Candace Malcolm joins for a look at the past year and the year ahead for True North. The Andrew Lawton Show starts right now. Welcome, everyone, to the final episode of The Andrew Lawton Show for 2020. I know most of us, and I certainly include myself in that category, are looking forward to once and for all turning the page on this year. But regardless, I hope you have had as best a year as is possible given the circumstances. We know that certainly the political elites telling us not to live our lives are having a good time, which is why I wanted to devote this show to doing a bit of a roundup of sorts to all of the people who have not been following their own guidance, advice, and directives in the last year, all of which has, of course, come to a bit of a boiling point even in the last few days, as the rules for thee and not for me crowd have decided to take their Christmas vacations while telling us that we have to carve the turkey on Zoom, and you might as well not even have a turkey because it's just going to be you and, and someone else instead of anyone else in your family gathering together for Christmas. Patient zero of this, I don't know exactly who it was, but I will say that the biggest story this week is Rod Phillips, who was in St. Bart's, which is the most exclusive, luxurious Caribbean destination, one of the most expensive places to vacation in the world, and he was there not just for a few days, not just for a, you know, a little quick jaunt or maybe to get off a cruise ship because, well, you can't do that anymore, but he was there for, it sounded like it was going to be at least a month. He went down there in mid December was still there and no one knew it until this past week where Doug Ford has decided to uh, tell him to get his backside home. So he resigned. And you know what? I don't actually think it's all that unsurprising. How do you come back from that? How do you have any credibility when you set out that the rules are only for other people, not for you? They're there for the little people. They're not for you. You're Rod Phillips. You can do what you want. And that was the thing. And when he came back to Pearson Airport and he did a little impromptu press conference, it sounded like he genuinely didn't know. Someone had asked him if he was going to resign. And he's like, well, you know, it's, it's, uh, well, you know, it's up to Doug Ford and, you know, I, I, I'm just, there's a lot of work to do. And then uh, not long later, he had in fact resigned. So I think in this case, we can very much read between the lines and say he was fired. So Doug Ford has taken it seriously. Again, my approach to this is not to penalize people for going on vacations, but to say to anyone, hey, listen, do what you want, live your life, do it safely, follow the rules. But that's not what's happening. We're going more and more towards the other direction. And Rod Phillips, I don't actually know all that well. I've met him once or twice. I've always understood him to be a, an honorable and decent guy. But that's the whole point of this, is that people like him who want to live their lives should not be telling other people in the province not to. And this is the issue, and I, I want to stake right out of the gate here. I am not anti-travel. I'm not one of these people saying, well, it's irresponsible. You know, how dare you go? Because in, in fairness, even if you are completely concerned about what's happening with COVID-19 in Ontario and in Canada, if you look at the numbers, a lot of these places, these vacation destinations are actually safer than Ontario. I mean, if you're living your life in Ontario or in Quebec or somewhere else, you're going to be around a lot more people than if you decide 
decide you're going to camp out on a beach for a month in some nice sunny destination. So in that sense, you know, I'm totally pro-travel. My concern is with the hypocrisy, with telling people you should not be traveling and then yourself getting on a plane, going down and only coming back when you get caught. And by the way, this was not the first time he did this. He also, we learned this week, took a personal trip to Switzerland in August. Again, I would love to go to Switzerland. I've never been. Sounds great. Sounds fun. Hope he had a blast. I don't care that he went to Switzerland. I don't care that he went to St. Bart's. I care that he did it while serving in a government that would condemn me for doing the very same thing. And this is why something like this is so egregious. And by the way, uh, Rod Phillips, when he delivered the Ontario budget, decided he was going to make 2021 the year of the Ontario staycation. Yes, this is what he said. Fewer small business owners have been harder hit than our tourism operators. We expect that traveling within Ontario will be safe sooner than traveling beyond our borders. So the Ontario government was putting $150 million towards making the year of the Ontario staycation 2021. And uh, Rod Phillips, I mean, in fairness to Rod, he would probably be saying, well, no, 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 I said 2021, it's still 2020. So maybe he was planning on coming back on the 31st anyway. And, you know, these are like the people that say their their diet starts tomorrow uh, because his view is that, yes, we need to make Ontario the year of the staycation, but not until I get back from St. Bart's. I mean, you can't even write this script. You can't even, well, maybe you can write this script because the Simpsons did. And now for an emergency announcement from the mayor. People of Springfield, because of the epidemic, I have canceled my vacation to the Bahamas. I shall not leave the city. Hey, you, get that steel drum out of the uh, mayor's office. Sorry. Ah, yes, I believe there is a Simpsons clip for absolutely everything, and always very prescient, I find. But here's the problem. Well, many problems, actually. Rod Phillips said that he deeply regrets traveling over the holidays. It was a mistake, and he apologizes. It was personally paid for, and he's making arrangements to return home. This is not a a statement that indicates actual regret. And what's going to happen when he gets home will be very interesting, because I'm not expecting him to do like a mea culpa on this in forms of an interview. I think what's going to happen is he's going to come back, he's going to get spanked by Doug Ford, and then that's that, and everyone's going to move on in the next couple of weeks. And Doug Ford has already promised a a tough conversation of sorts. I think that what makes it look a lot worse is all of the stuff he did to kind of avoid acknowledging that he was away. So he had uh, done many photo ops and he was posting them all on Twitter with this business and that business. He did his little Christmas video by the fireside. And while he was down there, he did a Zoom call, a, a public Zoom call with worship leaders in which it really, really, really sounds like you can hear Caribbean waves crashing onto the shore in the background. And as much as I, I don't like sharing Liberal Party propaganda, the Liberal Party just happened to be the one to uncover this and try tweeted out but take a listen because i hear waves they needed some technical support in terms of being able to uh, make their digital uh, piece work and it was great to see them um, great to see them work so close together but it's just an example who would have thought there was a more embarrassing water background to a zoom call than a toilet flushing but for rod phillips there is and that is the waves crashing onto the caribbean shores of ajax 
where he was supposed to be because he told everyone else that they had to stay home and even had tweeted about the importance of just having a, a Zoom turkey get together for Christmas or something like that. And just all, I mean, again, I, I can go on and on and on and I have, and frankly, we all should. But the problem is, is that Rod Phillips is not unique here. Political leaders have been doing this since the very beginning of the pandemic, and there are varying degrees of transgressions. You know, you go back to Ontario Premier Doug Ford uh, telling everyone not to gather for Easter and then deciding to uh, go up and check the plumbing of his cottage in Muskoka or something like that. And there was, I think it was Easter or Mother's Day or something. Again, one of these holidays that we were all told to forego that Doug Ford had his family get-together on despite telling people not to have such get-togethers. And you just know when the Rod Phillips story was unfolding that there were a whole bunch of other political leaders of all parties that were canvassing their caucuses desperately trying to like hope that no one else was in the Caribbean, that no one else had done this. And, and that was why there was a flurry, a small flurry of acknowledgments from people that took place on December 30th, the day the story was breaking up. So yes, I went to this place on this day and one of them was a Saskatchewan cabinet minister minister who has decided to do what I think is brilliant because he's pitched his trip to his California beach house as an essential trip. Joe Hargrave, who is the highways minister, is uh, saying in a statement that he is in Palm Springs to finish selling personal property and to move things back to Saskatchewan. <laughs> so he had said that he uh, told Premier Scott Moe of his plans and said that it was an essential business. Scott Moe said, oh, well, you know, if he says it's essential, then, then who am I to judge? But he's going down there and he says it was important it was important to do it he, he's selling some things so so this is what you do you can basically just have a yard sale at your beach house and then you can declare it an essential business and, and to be fair he may be doing important things he may be uh, doing things that matter but it, it's the optics of this it is the optics of it and if you want to travel great don't be part of governments that are telling people not to I mean the Ontario government as one notable example here, has been literally telling people to stay home. Someone on Twitter put together what I thought was a very useful montage of even just from the last couple of weeks. Please, please continue to follow those rules. We want people to stay in place, stay in your own homes as much as possible. It's sort of the, the stay home time. I strongly encourage everyone to stay home and continue to follow public health measures. During the holidays, hunker down to stay home and no i know i'm beating up on the uh, conservative parties here the saskatchewan party and the ontario pc party but political hypocrisy is not limited to one party an mna from quebec pierre arcand was in barbados and he's now been recalled by his party leader of course we remember when patty haidu who has been the chief health spokesperson with the exception of perhaps dr Theresa tam in canada and she was hanging out in the Pearson Airport lounge without a mask. Now, interestingly enough, I haven't, I wasn't going to tell this story because I, I tend to believe that people deserve a bit of privacy, but I'm not actually telling it for bad reasons because I was in Toronto at the airport a couple of weeks ago and I had a whole bunch of points. So I was able to upgrade and, and use the lounge. And what was interesting about it is that Patty Haidu was legitimately in the lounge. I was sitting down enjoying my coffee. 
I heard a woman walk in and she was talking on her phone and she sat down actually at the closest table to me, but in social distancing, that was, you know, like three and a half kilometers away or something. But uh, no, I heard her and I was like, oh, I recognize that voice. Then I looked up and I'm like, I think that's Patty Haidu. And I was just about to leave. I, I only had like a couple of moments before I had to, to catch my flight. And I was like, that's Patty Haidu. And I'm like, you better believe that she kept her mask on for the entire time that I saw her there. And I don't know if she has any idea who I am. But the whole point is that after she was busted in the lounge for no mask, I'm, I'm sure she's being very cautious now. Uh, Andrew Shear, I mean, he was uh, busted at Pearson Airport with, with no mask on when he was talking to people. Now, this was earlier on in the pandemic. But the thing was, the level of attention that the media has given conservatives compared to anyone on the left is very notable. And I would say that the reason we should be doing it the other way around, if we're going to be imbalanced about it, is because the liberals are the ones that tend to be the biggest nannies about this. Or, I mean, some of the some of the conservatives aren't doing much better now, a la Ontario. But that was the whole thing. So when Randy Hillier, who's an Ontario MPP that we've talked to on this show, tweeted a picture of a gathering that he had on Christmas or Boxing Day that OPP are, by the way, now investigating. This is... This is what police are doing right now. OPP are investigating Randy Hillier's Christmas. So when Randy Hillier posts that, I'm like, you know what? Power to him because he is an anti-lockdown advocate. He's not being a hypocrite. He is being uh, actually a practitioner of what he preaches because he's not telling everyone else that they shouldn't be doing that. Much like the mayor of Vancouver, Kennedy Stewart, who as well was sitting at a West End patio with seven other people, this was earlier in the summer, two more than the per table limit for BC restaurants. Now you may be saying, well, Andrew, I thought you were a freedom loving guy. Why do you care how many people are at a restaurant table in Vancouver? I don't, but these people do. And that is the point. These people do. They're the ones that care about it. They're the ones telling us to care about it. But they're also the ones that don't feel the rules apply to them. Remember when Lori Lightfoot, I'm going to go outside of Canada for a moment, the mayor of Chicago decided she should be able to get a haircut, but no one else should? And her explanation, well, she has to, you know, get up there and give press conferences. So, you know, that's why it's important for her to get a haircut. She needs to look her best. The rest of us loves, uh, you know what, we need to live without. So this sort of stuff is going to continue because there is no real accountability. And it shows that there are political leaders who are insulated from the consequences of their decisions that the rest of us must abide by. Insulated to such an extent that they don't want to live by them. They don't have to live by them. And part of this is about wealth. Part of, part of it is about wealth. If you have money, it's a lot easier for you to sort of fly above, literally and figuratively, what the rest of the world is going through. Again, if you don't want to deal with the Ontario lockdown, you can just, you know, pick up and fly to St. Bart's for Christmas. If you don't want to live with the restrictions on any other number of businesses, you could probably find a way to pay to get it done. But that's the whole point of this, is that if politicians are not themselves able to live in the provinces or country that they are setting out for the rest of us to live in, what does that say about those rules? What does it say about those rules? If they can't even tolerate it or don't want to, or at the very least are making these rules knowing that, oh, well, you know, it's not going to bother me anyway because I'm going to be uh, heading on. I'm just going to be heading on. When I'm on a Zoom call with worship leaders, who, by the way, are not even allowed to gather, 
and I can hear waves crashing in the background. What better message is there for I don't really care about what you're going through? And I don't know what the answer is because the system itself has a corrupting power to it. Good people go into politics and they get very much consumed by this. And I'm honestly saying when I ran in 2018, I could have been an MPP in the Ontario government right now. And I'm so glad I didn't. I'm so glad I did not have to be a lawmaker during this period because I don't suspect it would end well because I couldn't in good conscience shut down people. I could not in good conscience shut down people whose livelihoods depend on their businesses being open and whose personal happiness, whose personal mental health depends on being able to go about their lives and live their lives. So if someone wants to travel, have at it. What I would hope people take away from this episode is that, hey, if the finance minister, if the uh, highways minister in Saskatchewan, if Quebec MNAs, if MPs are all finding that there's a safe and enjoyable way to live your life that involves travel, that involves, you know, maybe not always being masked in public, that involves having a few people on a patio, if that's what they believe, then great, let's just eliminate all the restrictions. So I'm going to propose a new law. Now, I'm not legally wording this right now, so someone else can do the legal drafting of it. If you are good at drafting legislation and you enjoy doing it in your spare time and you want to help over the holidays, this is an idea that I would love you to do. Uh, This is something that every province can and should embrace, and I would say should be embraced at the national level as well. Any rule or public health restriction pertaining to COVID-19 that a member of a government that's enacted the restriction breaks is automatically stricken. That's the rule. That is the proposed law that we need going into 2020. In other words, if a member of your government put a rule forward and doesn't follow the rule, the rule is automatically nullified. Maybe it's not the way that we normally pass legislation, but at this point, I think it's the best way to do it. Instead of the punitive snitch culture where everyone's trying to figure out who's in the Bahamas and who's in Barbados and who's in St. Bart's, let's just say any rule that they don't think is worth following in their own lives, the rest of us don't have to follow in our own lives. And you know what? It's going to be a heck of a lot happier a 2021 if this is the way we go forward. On that note, we'll be back in a couple of moments for a look at what the year ahead may bring with True North founder Candace Malcolm. Stay tuned. You're tuned in to The Andrew Lawton Show. Welcome back to The Andrew Lawton Show. Everyone has turned 2020, I think, very deservedly into a punchline. It's been a very bad year in a lot of ways. But for people in media, the silver lining has been there's been no shortage of things to talk about. So for True North, it's been certainly a busy year and and I'd say a challenging year like it has been for everyone. But there's also been a lot that we have done. So I wanted to take this opportunity as we are nearing the end of the year here in the next day or so to chat with my friend and colleague, Candace Malcolm who I will say, despite all of the you know love and adoration I get from uh, my viewers here, uh, the one question I always get is, you're great, your show's great, but where's Candace been? So Candace, thanks for coming. Where have you been? Well, first, Andrew, thank you so much. Merry Christmas. I hope you had a, a wonderful holiday and same to yes, all, you too. all of your viewers. Uh, yeah, so I, I've been sort of under the radar for the last few weeks. I, I had a baby in November, and so I've been uh, taking the time to, you know, spend time with my family and and focus on on the newborn and the family. So I, I've been away a little, but luckily we we did a whole bunch of sort of pre-recorded content. So we released a documentary. We had the speaker series. We, we were doing a lot, um, and and hopefully I'll be back, uh, you know, in no time at all in the new year to uh, produce new content. 
Well, I know everyone is very happy for you. I know certainly everyone on the True North team, myself included, is uh, very much. But let's talk about how this year has been, because I remember at the very beginning of the pandemic when no one knew what was going on. We were seeing these terrible stories coming out of China and then Iran and then Italy. And and you and I, uh, I think with the whole team, really said, okay, we we need to be on the front lines of this. We know the mainstream media often gets things wrong. And we did, I remember the daily True North update show, Uh, We were watching Justin Trudeau's daily press conferences, so our viewers didn't have to, and talking about what was happening. Uh, And, you know, it was interesting. When we first started doing that, I don't think you or I had any idea. I certainly didn't have any idea that that would still be the story of the day 10 months later. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, it, it was sort of one of those bizarre things where the, the, the narrative was constantly shifting, constantly changing. I, I remember at the very beginning of the pandemic when it was sort of more conservatives that were arguing in favor of wearing face masks. And so that was so that we wouldn't have to shut down the entire economy. The idea was like, you know, if we, if we just take a few precautions like social distancing and not wearing face masks, then we can keep the economy open and keep going. Um, and, and now, you know, because of the sort of changing message and the much more... I would say draconian uh, tone behind some of these demands. You know, it, you see more and more conservatives opposing uh, things like like wearing face masks. But we've come a, a very long way, Andrew. And l- looking back at those early days, you know, it, w- it was it was really frightening, really concerning. Uh, watching the government sort of just go back and forth, contradicting itself, flip flopping, you know, changing its mind. It, it, it was sort of like a bizarro world. The idea which we, we, we lived through again during the U.S. federal election, where you had mm. a liberal like Joe Biden saying that he, he would have done better than Trump did in, in shutting down uh, the economy faster. Well, you know, uh, doesn't take too much of a memory to, to, to look back and think, hey, it was January when Trump shut uh, flights down from China. Trudeau refused to do that. And, you know, it wasn't until three months later that Canada took any measures to lock down travel. So, you know, we've had we've had a crazy year in terms of the government messaging and the things that we've been told, the, the, the back and forth. I think I, I think trust in institutions like the government and like the media is at an all time low uh, just from just from my uh, you know, perception. I don't, I don't know if there's any polling that backs that up, Andrew, but I, I think that really the, this idea that we need to trust experts when those experts are just constantly changing their mind uh, is ridiculous. And I think that in that, it has created an opportunity for independent journalists like uh, you and I at True North because, you know, we're not so obsessed with with parroting the the talking points and and enforcing this idea that that every expert must be correct and we must, you know, turn off our minds and just listen to whatever the edict is of the day. Well, no, you know, there still needs to be scrutiny. There still needs to be questioning. Just because someone's an expert doesn't necessarily mean that they know any better when it comes to, you know, a mysterious virus from China. And I think a lot of people are are just completely fed up and and sick of these of these orders that we're getting uh, without necessarily the the, the evidence and and the data backing it up. There's a, a clip from the the original Borat movie that I just remembered, and I haven't thought of that movie since it came out, you know, 10 or 12 or however many years ago, when Borat is at the United Nations and he's just completely making a fool of himself, doing things that make no sense, and they keep cutting to the expert panel on TV where people who pretend to know exactly what he's doing talk about, oh, well, wh- why he's doing this is because this, and why he's doing this. And there's been a lot of that of the pandemic where we are all in unprecedented territory, no 
No one knew uh, what we were dealing with. No one knew the implications of it. But you take people that are paid to have an opinion. They're paid to say things. And I say this knowing full well what I do for a living, but I don't pretend to have the answers if I don't. And, and that's the problem that we have. And, and this was something that True North started looking at uh, long before COVID came along, which was the, the sort of expert industrial complex. But this year, I, I really think that the circumstances have established why it's so dangerous to really seed uh, everything to rule by experts. Absolutely, Andrew. And there's just some questions that beg being asked. I mean, when, when the when the virus first came out, you know, the, the epicenter was a basically unknown large city, large industrial city in China called Wuhan. Uh, no one had really ever heard of Wuhan before. It was hardly ever mentioned in the, in the media. Uh, one of the interesting things about Wuhan is it is the home to China's biological warfare labs. And I remember raising that question just sort of, mm -hmm. you know, kind of almost not casually, but just w w without having a lot of evidence connecting it, but just saying, hey, look, this is the center of uh, China's biological you know, labs. Why, why isn't that being dug into? Why isn't that being questioned? And merely just for raising that question and, and making that observation, uh, I, I started getting, you know, uh, hit pieces written about me and people calling me a conspiracy theory, a theorist and, and, and sort of having this backlash against me just for just for asking the question. And, you know, last time I checked, the role of a journalist is to ask questions, sometimes uncomfortable questions. And sometimes the questions that you ask don't lead anywhere. And sometimes they do. But 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 the idea that you that you should be able to ask certain questions it just just seems so out of line to me and i think that that again really uh, ha has been center in in this entire covid pandemic all the government lockdowns is that you know we're not really supposed to question the orders that are coming down and yet andrew as you know they sometimes they just make such little sense and when you have so much on the line you know a small business owner a restaurant owner uh, anybody who who earns their living by going out into the world uh, and governments taking that livelihood away from them it's incredibly serious and it, you know it deserves pushback and scrutiny i th think one, to me one of the most disappointing things that's happened this year and, and you know justin trudeau's been awful but but we expect that at this point uh, i've been really disappointed in doug ford and the sort of hysterical tone that, that, that has been taken i mean you know the biggest story right now and, and i know you've been talking about it on your show is with the uh minister uh, rod phillips being down in saint bart's um and and you know the reaction to that from from doug ford himself has been so over the top i mean yes obviously it's a contradiction when a politician is traveling after telling you and i not to travel uh but but if, if the government was really serious about a rule that we're not allowed to travel why haven't they shut down the airports? Why are there still flights going in and out of Pearson, Toronto daily? I mean, I'm down in the Bahamas right now. I've been down here for, for some time. Um, and I know there's daily flights that are that are coming in and out. So if the government truly does believe it's 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 beyond the pale and terrible to to get on an airplane and travel, why haven't they shut down the flights? Why haven't they shut down the airports? It doesn't make any sense. So, you know, we're in a situation where you're allowed to travel. It's not against the law. There are flights going in and out. And yet somehow when you do it, it's, it's, it's this horrible uh, offense. I, I don't understand.
Yeah, and this was the point I, I raised earlier in the show, which is that I, I'm very much pro-travel, but I, I'm anti-hypocrisy. And, and when you have the government on one hand saying, don't go anywhere, make it the year of the Ontario staycation, and then on the other hand, you know, buggering off to St. Bart's and, and then not wanting to disclose where he was or when he was coming back and, and that sort of stuff. I, I'm, I'm, you know, very much in team, let's try to live our lives. And, and, you know, the reality is the politicians who keep talking about how dangerous things are in Canada right now, uh, they shouldn't blame people that are going to vacation uh, destinations that in many cases have fewer cases than exist in Ontario. So, I mean, that's the other uh, irony of this, is that if someone is not breaking the law, they've made a decision, they're comfortable with the risk, which always exists when you travel, then, then I would say have at it. But this year, you are bang on that we are not supposed to ask the questions this year, whether it was Patty Haidu telling people that they were feeding conspiracies if they asked about China's numbers, people calling you a conspiracy theorist for talking about or asking about rather the biology lab and even with politicians conduct I mean this this idea that politicians have put forward is that we're all supposed to be a united front which sure may well be true but that doesn't mean that you have to accept without scrutiny without with and without skepticism guidance from people that have demonstrably been getting it wrong well and Patty Heidi is another example of someone who also was traveling all over the yes. place through <laughs> north broke a story of how and many the media flights. outrage nowhere nearly as strong as it was on her. Right. And same with when she was caught in an airport not wearing a mask. Well, supposedly there was a bag somewhere that was full of food. And so she was exempt from that <laughs> role. But, you know, when it was ha happening to Andrew Shear, there was there was no such exemption. And and look, yeah, for, for, for my case, uh, you know, one of the reasons that we decided to come down to the Bahamas was to get away from Ontario and the crazy governance up there, the, the hospitals that are full, the, the mismanagement. You know, like I said, I had a baby and my experience is going to the doctor's offices and the hospitals in Toronto were, were pretty outrageous, just given how slow everything was, how much they made you wait, how long everything took, uh, you know, how kind of quickly they'd rush you in and out of services. You know, the, the whole idea behind having a universal healthcare system is so that supposedly everyone gets good care, but it really felt like they were skimping out and not giving the care that I that I needed and that I demand. Um, and, and, you know, one of the other things is that being locked down in a cold climate isn't isn't very fun, especially with little kids. So I, I think it's a great idea to, to, to go somewhere where you can be outside, uh, where you can get fresh air, you can get vitamin D. Um, and, and then as far as as the whole government approach, I, I, I just think it, it's truly outrageous, the idea that we're supposed to just say yes to everything and, and, and go along without question, especially, Andrew, when there's such a strong ideological component behind it. And I'm talking about Justin Trudeau and Christia Freeland and the whole green reset bragging about the idea that this is an opportunity uh, to, 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 to somehow, you know, change our economy and, and move away from the driving forces of our economy, which are our energy and fossil fuel. Uh, there is an ideological component. They're trying to, you know, do whatever they said, a great reset um, to, to produce some kind of a green utopian economy, which is totally ridiculous and unfeasible as, as anyone who's looked into some of the technologies that they're talking about. Uh, knows and and we focused on that very thoroughly in the green hypocrisy documentary series, Andrew. But you know, of course, Canadians should question, and of course, Canadians should push back against the rhetoric and against often really, really contradictory, uh, hypocritical uh, positions that the government has been uh, forcing upon us. 
Yeah, and I do think the Green Hypocrisy documentary is great for two reasons. Well, for many reasons, but one, uh, two chiefly right now. One of them is is that it was putting a lot of these issues into a, a greater perspective in a way that I even think an environmentalist would appreciate. If you're someone that cares about the environment, you care about climate, uh, you might not agree with everything that was in that series, but you would very much agree that what government's doing isn't really dealing with the problems they say they're dealing with. And the other part is that for us, this year had its challenges. I know True North had a lot of projects that we wanted to do, I personally did, that we just couldn't do this year because of the pandemic and travel restrictions and other things. So it was really a great for us to be able to produce a, a big, significant project like that that really resonated with people. Yeah, well, thank you, Andrew. I, I know we did have other plans and they included, you know, we were supposed to do a, a entire cross Canada tour. You and I were going to yes. be traveling. We, we had Douglas Murray, uh, the British author and thinker. He, he had already had his flights booked and we, were, we had this whole thing planned. And of course, we had to uh, postpone that, potentially cancel that because of, of COVID and the restrictions and the uncertainty of it all. But, but I think that we still had a very strong year. Uh, I think that, that to me, that the, the big things that stuck out were, uh, you know, that the launching of the Independent Press Gallery, which you were a large part of, our inaugural event, which was supposed to be a debate among all the conservative candidates. And, you know, we sort of dealt with the circumstances. You were on the ground last minute and uh, turned that into really a wonderful fireside chat event. And that was really the highlight uh, of the year, Andrew. And, and I give you all the kudos in the world for that. Uh, but we did a lot of other things. I think that the speaker series was really fun. Uh, I did a lot of really, really uh, compelling interviews. I sat down with Rex Murphy, Pierre Polyev, um, you know, Conrad Black, uh, Barbara Kay, Dave Rubin. There, there was a lot of really big names, Douglas Murray. I thought that was great. Uh, Maxine Bernier as well. We did a good interview. And, and, then, and then the Green Hypocrisy. And I think that it, it shows, you know, how we were able to sort of pivot, how we were able to you know, change change what we were focused on because the idea of doing live events wasn't possible. So we started doing a lot more interviews, a lot more Zoom events, uh, you know, testing out the different technologies. And, and I think we found some successes that we're going to carry on into the new year. Yeah, very much so. And I, I appreciate the kind words about the fireside chat. I don't know if I would like relive that day again, but it was still, uh, in the end, one that we can be very happy and, and very proud of. And and even in general, the conservative leadership race, I, I think, is a point of pride because so often these things are covered through the mainstream media's lens and really in, in mainstream media terms and context. And, and for us to actually provide a conservative, small-c conservative approach to the issues at stake in the leadership was something that was just completely absent from that race. And I mean, we, you and I have joked about it in the past, that uh, live stream that we did of the results show that was supposed to be, I think it was, you know, supposed to be like 45 minutes and ended up being over eight hours. Again, another day that I wouldn't relive, but uh, we can still be proud of. So there was a, a lot of room for the perspective that we bring and the analysis that we bring. Uh, what do you want to do with that in 2021? Well, I think that the that the we're going to build off the successes that we've had. You know, you, you give a great example with the leadership race. I think a lot of Canadians just discovered True North and realized, oh, wow, I don't have to watch, you know, the, the the party that I vote for, the party that I care about, through the lens of the CBC, where they demonize everything and they make it seem controversial just to hold very basic conservative values or Christian values or family values. Uh, so we we provided that 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 alternative. 
And, and again, just, just growing off of that, I know we have uh, a lot more sort of hard-hitting interviews, other documentary series uh, we're looking to expand. We've still got our investigative journalism uh, team. We're digging out new stories, uh, putting pressure on politicians in Ottawa in, in ways that, that the mainstream media just doesn't, the parliamentary press gallery. We're sort of challenging them. I mean, the idea that they have complete... Uh, reign over Ottawa and that no one else has any right to ask questions, we're challenging that not just through True North, but also through the independent press gallery, the idea that journalists can get accredited without being part of that establishment media, that that sort of dying uh, breed of, of big big uh, corporations running these media companies. I, I think we saw a bit of a preview of what's possible during the U.S. election where, you know, big, big, you know, high paid journalists on CNN uh, didn't have the influence that they that they used to. You, you saw the rise of a lot of independent journalists, a lot of independent outlets uh, outshining the mainstream media. You know, more people get their news from Joe Rogan and his podcast on Spotify or Ben Shapiro um, and his Daily Wire show on YouTube um, than do, you know, watch uh, the, the mainstream media. And I think that that same thing is possible in Canada and, and we're, we're, you know, carving the path towards that. So I think we've got a, a lot of really exciting projects and, and ideas and, and uh, a lot of momentum that we're going to carry on into 2021. Yeah, very much so. And a lot of the things that I wanted to do in 2020, I haven't forgotten about. We just had to uh, to move them back. So maybe I'll have a uh, twice as much on my plate this year. Who knows? But you know what? It's all fun stuff. And I love doing it. And I'm so grateful uh, still that you founded True North and continue to see this organization through all of the different uh, turns and pitfalls and highs and lows of 2020 and, and beyond. So Candace, thank you very much. Uh, congratulations again on the lovely new baby. And thank you for uh, coming on and, and giving us an update on, on what's happening for you. And and for the organization. Well, thank you so much. You know, I, th I think family is, is just so important and I'm enjoying every moment of, you know, staying home with my with my baby and, and, and focusing on that right now. But I, ha I haven't forgotten about True North, Andrew. And, uh, you know, I, I just want to quickly say to, to the viewers, you know, it was it was a really uncertain year. There, there was really a lot of people losing their job, losing their livelihood. And we didn't really know what was going to happen with True North. We, we paused all of our donation attempts. We we stopped fundraising because we just didn't feel right asking people for money. We instead encouraged everyone to donate to their local food bank. We even created a map uh, for Canadians to find their closest food bank um, so that they could go and volunteer and donate and help. Um, and I, I was just sort of floored. You know, once the economy sort of started to open back up again in the summer, we, we started doing our donation pitches again. And I, I was just floored by the support and generosity uh, of our viewers, of our uh, fans out there, because you know, really, they're the ones that keep us going, Andrew. And it was like they appreciated what we were doing more than ever. And we, we, we actually saw increases in, in the amount of money that we were making, which helped us, you know, hire new journalists and do new projects. So I, I really just want, want to say thank you so much uh, to everyone watching, everyone who uh, supports our work and helps keep independent journalists and journalism alive in Canada. It's so needed. It's so important. Um, and again, we've got a lot more in store for the new year. And Andrew, I, I know, you know, when I'm away, you're, you're doing a lot more. You're, you're covering a lot of the editing and, and the overseeing uh, the team and the work and everything. So thank you so much uh, for the work that you do. You're really, really a core part of truth. We would never have the success that we did uh, without all your work. So, so thank you uh, so much from the bottom of my heart for that. Well, thank you. And I certainly echo that gratitude to the viewers. Thanks very much, Candice, and Happy New Year to you and the family. Thank you. Thank you.
And Happy New Year to all of you as well. The show, as I mentioned earlier, actually started in January of 2020. The show on this platform. What a year to start something, right? Uh, But uh, truly, to have made it through a year wouldn't be possible without your support financial and your support by sharing it and even just the messages of encouragement and even the hate mail you all send me. It's all part of the same uh, package, I guess. But I do really appreciate the support, and I know Candace and the whole team do as well. So with that, my thanks to all of you for tuning in today and over the past 12 months. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. God bless and happy new year, Canada. Thanks for listening to the Andrew Lawton show. Support the program by donating to true North at www.tnc.news.